truth being put into our lives so we can win and have the victory at any given time before this moment, they could have said, forget it. But they didn't. And because they stayed with it, we can stay with it. Amen. So always remember this, young people. Honor those who speak into your life and prepare a way for you. No one in this earth makes it on their own. No one. And thank God for spe- when he puts special people of that character and caliber in your life to speak truth to you and love you and lay down their lives for you. Don't ever forget that. Amen? Amen. With that being said, I'm going to pray real quick, and we're going to jump right in the word. Father, thank you tonight for these young people. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for truth, Father. Thank you for freedom. Father, give us tonight a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened and we will know the hope of your calling the rich inheritance that we have as saints, and the exceeding greatness of your power towards us as believers. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead, let us understand it. Let us walk in it. Let us share it with the world. And I thank you, Father, that this word will have free course in our lives and be glorified, and that you will confirm it with signs and wonders. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, tonight, I want to talk to you about some things that you can do to remain free. Amen. And before, the theme is what? Young and free. And as we were there, the Spirit of God reminded me of the story of the circus elephant and the rope. The circus elephant and the rope, yes. You know, how many of you ever seen a circus elephant? They're huge. They're big. And uh, there was a man who saw the circus elephant tied to a stake in the ground, and it was only tied to the stake by a rope, and yet the circus elephant wouldn't break free. I mean, just one move of the leg, the circus elephant could have just snatched it out of the ground. And he asked the trainer, he said, how did you keep that big old elephant tied to that little stake in the ground with the rope? He said, well, the way we train them is we do this. When they are a baby, when they are young, we put a big old heavy chain on the elephant. So the first few years of its development and growth, when it tries to break free and realizes it is thinking that it, can break, it cannot break free, it gives up. So when they become older, we no longer have to use the chain Because the chain is no longer on them, it's in them, it's in their thinking. Well, I declare tonight that the devil tries to start young by putting some chains on you to limit you.
But I declare tonight under the sound of my voice in the anointing of God that those chains will be broken. No more circus elephant for you. Amen? Let me read this scripture to you from the Amplified. It's Psalms 103, verse 5. It says, God who satisfies your mouth, your necessity, and desire at your personal age and situation with good so that your youth renewed is like the eagles, strong, overcoming, and soaring. Amen? Strong, overcoming, and soaring. There are some things that are going to be said throughout the duration of this camp that if you'll begin to say them, what you're being taught, if you'll begin to speak them out of your mouth, you will become strong, overcoming, and soaring. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 23. I got to set some things up for you that you need to understand that, listen, you're going to be free. A lot of you are going to be set free this evening. It'll be through the laying on of hands from impartations. Some of you will get impartations as the word is being taught. Some of you will get impartations through private conversations, one-on-one conversations with people. You need to pay attention to those times because you're going to get your answer and you're going to be free. (coughs) Excuse me, free. So let me read this to you in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23. Paul is talking to Timothy, who is a young pastor, but listen to his instruction. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. In meekness, here's the key, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure would give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. What am I saying? You are going to get instruction that if you will take heed to it and follow it, you'll be free from the snare of the devil. Amen? This is not a time to sit down and go to sleep. This is not a time to wear yourselves out during the day with activity so much that you can't sit in here and pay attention. I'm just giving you some instruction that's going to help you because it's instruction and truth that sets you free. Amen? Because, see, the power of God is present to deliver you, to heal you. But when you leave here, you're going to need to continue to walk in truth to remain free. Okay? So we got to pay attention to instruction. So let me give you four things I'm going to cover tonight on how to remain free. Number one, you ready? Forgive people. Why? Because God puts people in our lives to teach us. So you got to learn how to forgive people. Number two, learn to think God's thoughts. They are recorded in the Bible. Learn to think God's thoughts. They are recorded in the Bible. Number three, learn 
to talk God's language. Faith is the language of God. If you want God to respond, if you want God to move, if you want to experience the power of God in your life, you have to learn the language of faith. God don't respond to bawling. He don't respond to squalling. He don't respond to belly aching. He only responds to faith. Amen? And then finally, number four, learn to follow the word and the spirit. Amen? So let me say them to you again. Number one, forgive people. Number two, learn to think God's thoughts. They are recorded in the Bible. Number three, learn to talk God's language. Faith is the language of God. Number four, learn to follow the word and the spirit. Amen? Let me define young to you because the theme is young and free. What does it mean to be young? It means to be in the first part of life, being in the first part of growth. It also defines it as ignorant, having little experience. Ignorant is not an insult on your intelligence. It just simply means you don't know. And because you don't know, guess what? You need to sit your little self down in a seat and let somebody tell you because you don't know. Amen? So when somebody that has a little bit more experience than you do and has been here longer than you have and they're trying to tell you, listen, baby, don't mess with that little knucklehead boy because it's going to get you in trouble. Listen, boy, don't mess with that little fast girl because she's going to get you in trouble. When they try to tell you that, remember, you don't know what they know. You haven't experienced what they experienced, and they're telling you to it from the Word of God. Sit down, listen, and take heed. Amen? Well, let's define free. You ready for free? Free means being at liberty, not being under necessity or restraint, not being under compulsion or control. Amen? Some of you think you're free, but you're not. The way what people say about you and how people think about you is controlling you. Some of y'all, MTV is controlling you. Some of y'all, Jay-Z is controlling you. The rap music is controlling you. The TV shows are controlling you. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. So what are those things are doing? They're constraining you. They're keeping you from God's best. So we got to identify these things. Amen? Amen? But I got good news for you. Go to Acts 1038. I got good news for you. You don't have to be bound anymore. You don't have to be tormented anymore. Amen? Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So oppression is a form of bondage, to be weighed down in spirit or mind. So Jesus came to set us free. What did he come to set us free from? Let's go to Luke 4. Luke 4, verse 18. When Jesus returned to the synagogue, the spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he said some things. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus came free, came to set us free from all those things. Amen. What does it mean to be poor? It means to lack in anything. It means powerless to accomplish an end. It means to be destitute of wealth, influence, and position. Jesus came to cure that. What does it mean to be brokenhearted? It means to crush completely, to shatter, to break down, to crush or tear one's body and shatter one's strength. How many of you have heard people say mean things to you and it crush your dreams or crush your spirit or crush your will? That's brokenhearted. You could be free from that tonight. And then he said, what are the captives? It means to be taken as a prisoner of war, one who is ensnared by wiles, one who is charmed or subdued. I got to stay right there for a minute. Because see, some of you think you're captive because you're taken by force. No, some of them, you just, you're taken captive because somebody's slick. It's subtle. Amen. You know, I call it nickel slick in a $5 world. Amen. People know how to talk to you smooth. People know how to, how to persuade you and know how to push your buttons. And then all of a sudden, you make decisions and you find yourself in a position. It's like, how did I get here? Amen. But Jesus came to set you free from that. There's an anointing available to where you can recognize the wiles and the tricks and, and the subduing of the world. You know, our, our modern culture on television ensnares a lot of young people. They have you thinking right is wrong and wrong is right. And the only way you can tell the difference from it is to know the truth in God's word. And here's a very simple way to know that. If God calls it wrong, you call it wrong. Amen? Because if you won't call it wrong, when God calls it wrong, you can't get free from it. Amen? And let me help you out with your friends because they'll say, only God can judge me. You know, you know what a good comeback for that is? You say, you know what? You're right. Jesus said in John 12 that the word would judge us. His word has already judged that action. Let's see what he said about it. Amen. So I'm not judging you. God already said to judge me. You know, a judge, he makes judgment based on laws. Laws is nothing but a group of words that men agreed upon to put into action for men to live by in society. That's all it is. So God has already put his word and judged the situation. Go find out what the judge say. Amen. He's already ruled on it. So it's not my ruling. It's God. I'm just like a bailiff in the courtroom. I didn't make the judgment. I'm just announcing it. Amen. So if God calls it wrong, you got to call it wrong. Now, what does it mean to be blind? It means not having the faculty of discernment. You can't tell the difference between truth and a lie. You can't make sound decisions. You're blind. You could be physically blind. But the worst thing is to be blind to where you can't recognize when God is trying to lead you. Amen. You could be full of education. You could have plenty of money and still be messed up in the head. Amen. Why? Because you have no discernment. You can't judge anything. Hallelujah. 
And then here's, here's the last one, the bruised. Amen. The bruised means to break in pieces, to crush by beating or pounding with an instrument not edged or pointed, a blunt object. The thing about being crushed this way is because the, because the object is not sharp, you can't tell the effect that it's having on you. Amen. Y'all ever seen a, a Shaolin monk? They develop hardness in their hand. The, the hand is very tender. But the way they develop what they call chi, which makes their hand hard like armor, the way they do it is they put a piece of paper on a brick wall, and they hit that brick wall for two hours every day to the point that it gets hard. In the beginning, they're not hitting it hard. They're just punching it like that. See, the devil's subtle. He just like to beat on your thinking, beat on your thinking, beat on your thinking. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit from mama, a little bit from the teacher, a little bit from my friends, a little bit from the coach, a little bit here, a little bit there, and it keeps beating till you realize you're callous to the truth. You're insensitive to the truth. You're bruised. And then anytime somebody tries to come and tell you truth, you so touchy, you run. Amen. You know, you ever sprain your ankle and it gets swollen and bruised. And, and the doctor say, let me put some ice on it. You, you wince. See, the world feels like that in the beginning. But you know, you're not going to get relief from that swollen ankle until you let that ice stay on there. Amen. You're not going to get relief from some things until you let that word sit on your mind like an ice pack. Amen. So let's talk about. Forgiving people. What does it mean to forgive? To forgive means to let it go. Pastor Victoria, can I borrow you for a second? Bring your Bible with you. Amen. What does forgive mean? Let Everybody say, let it go. Say, let it go. Forgiving is a choice that you make by faith. Let it go. Let me show you. How forgiveness works. Now, Pastor Victoria, yeah, keep both of those. That's good. Girl, you catching this by the Holy Ghost. Keep both of those in both hands. Now, this is Pastor Victoria. Now, we say forgive those who have hurt you. There's hurt. There's pain. And I'm Jesus. And I'm offering everything that I have to her. And I say, here, Pastor Victoria, take my iPad. Take everything that I have. She can't take it holding on to past hurt and past pain. Now, now I'm offering healing. I'm offering prosperity. I'm offering wisdom. I'm offering deliverance. I'm offering eternal life. And all she got is hurt and pain. It don't do nothing. Can't even buy your cold drink. Can't even buy you a hamburger. Can't even give you an understanding to figure out what's two plus two, but you still want to hold on to it. So you can't get this till you let go of that. Got to let it go. Come on, let it go, girl, and take what Jesus is offering. That's forgiveness. You can't receive from God till you let go of the others that hurt you. 
Amen? Let me show you what happens. Go in your Bible to Mark chapter 11. Thank you. You're done. Everybody give Pastor Victoria a hand. Hallelujah. Let's go to Mark chapter 11. And let's look at the 25th verse. It says, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may do what? Forgive who? Forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. So if I want God to forgive me, I need to forgive others. I heard a, a, an author say this. I don't know who wrote it, but he said, Harboring unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting on your enemy to die. There's a lot of people in the hospital with nervous breaks down and, and heart attacks and strokes all because they won't let it go. And really, it's to help you because guess what? The people that hurt you, they ain't thinking about you. They're going on about their business. And you sitting there with your lip poked out, your face frowned up, putting wrinkles on your face before time, having upset stomach, can't even eat a good piece of ice cream. Amen? Let it go. Let it go so you can receive what God has for you. Let me show you what happened when you get a messed up thinking and an attitude towards unforgiveness. Go to Mark chapter 6. And let me tell you about King Herod, Herodias, and her daughter. Amen? Herod had married his brother's sister. And John the Baptist said it was wrong. And Herodias didn't like it. And she would have had John the Baptist killed, but Herod thought he was a holy man of God and wouldn't do it. So let me tell you what happened. He had a birthday party. And the daughter of Herodias, look at verse 22. And the daughter of Herodias had danced, and it had pleased Herod. And Herod made a declaration. It said, and when the daughter of said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod, and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, ask of me whatsoever Thou will, and I will give it thee. And he swear unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. What does that mean? That's like him giving her a $130 million lottery ticket. Because the inheritance right normally goes to the son. And here it is, the daughter has a, enough, has an opportunity to receive half the kingdom, not only to take care of her, but to take care of her mama after the king has died. But look what happened. Look what happened. I'm going to show you what unforgiveness will give you. Look at, what, it, look at what, it, what she said. Verse 24. And she went forth and said unto her mother, what shall I ask him? She looking for wisdom. And she said, Mama, what shall I ask? He's going to give me up to half the kingdom. What am I going to ask? 
And look what mama said. Give me the head of John the Baptist. Here it is. Her daughter could be set for life. But because she harbors unforgiveness, she robs her daughter of an opportunity to be set for life. Not only that, because the daughter takes on the mother's unforgiveness, she misses out. Here's an opportunity that she has to have half the kingdom. No other female gets. Didn't even have to be married to some old knucklehead prince. And she gave it up because her mother was offended and wouldn't forgive, and she took on her mother's offense. Who did you not forgive because they hurt somebody you were close to? It's a question. I'm going to set you free tonight. Amen. The word of God is going to set you free. Let me share this with you. Had I not learned how to forgive my own father who messed up my family, my father was my idol. My father got addicted to crack. That hurt me. I had to get out of school to go testify against my father in court to put him in jail, then go back to school. That hurt me. I don't know why I'm sharing this. I'm just going to tell it. I saw my own father with another woman while I was with my own mother. You don't think that hurt? Had I not let that go, I would not have been able to receive that man. But let me tell you something else. I was with another pastor who hurt me. Almost caused me to lose my house tried to wreck my marriage, and then defame my character. When all I did was be loyal. I made some mistakes. But had I not let that go, look what I'd have missed out on. I don't understand. I'm I'm not telling you something I heard. I'm telling you something I know. Some, Some people hurt you. Some people touched you, they shouldn't have touched you. Some people said some things to you, they shouldn't have said. Let it go. Let it go. I'm telling you tonight, in Jesus' name, you are going to let that go. So you can be free. So you can, see, because see, God sent him and Pastor Diana to speak into my life. And I could have never received him had I not let it go. You know, the good thing is, God restored my relationship with my natural father before he left here. And I watched God deliver him from crack. I saw firsthand what the power of God could do. But you had to let it go first. Amen. And you know something that's interesting? My father shared with me how he got into drugs. You know why? Because he wouldn't forgive something that his parents did to him. He got caught up in busing desegregation, and he wanted to use his older sister's address to go to a certain high school because he wanted to play sports there. Dreamed about playing there all his life. And his parents wouldn't let him do it, and he never let it go. And he started to rebel. And look at what it cost him. Cost him his family, cost him his health, cost him everything. Hey, you want to be free, don't you? Who do I forgive? I forgive parents and authority figures who may have hurt me in any way. 
I forgive myself for making past mistakes. I forgive my friends and my associates that have hurt me. And let me give you the scripture to go with it. Romans 5, 5 says, The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost who's given unto me. So what's your confession? I have received the love of God in my heart. I can love like God. I forgive like God. I'm merciful like God. I'm long-suffering like God. I'm kind like God because the love of God is in me. And I choose to forgive. I choose to let it go. Amen? Hallelujah. How do I know when I'm for, I've forgiven them? When you don't want them to pay the penalty for what they've done to you. Amen? And the, and the memory of it doesn't bring the sting anymore. But how do you get past that? The love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I can love like God. I'm patient like God. I'm long-suffering like God. I'm merciful like God. I'm kind like God. I can forgive because the love of God is in my heart by the Holy Ghost. You know why you say that? Because you're going to marry somebody one day. And they may do something to hurt your feelings. Amen? You know what you're going to have to do? The love of God shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Amen? Pastor Victoria, just tell it straight. And sometimes it hurt. But she loved me. See, listen, you want, you want to be married to somebody that'll tell you you're on the arm stink. No, because they won't let you go out and let somebody else have to tell you. I'd rather hear from you than to hear from somebody else. Have me thinking I'm smelling good, looking good, and I walk out and people turning their nose up at me. I'm going to come home and say, why didn't you tell me? Amen? Okay, now, go to Jeremiah 29, 11. We got to learn how to think like God thinks. Amen? Now, I'm going to pull a quote from Dr. Dennis Hatterbaugh because it's so blessed my life in his book, You Are What You Think. He said this, it was so profound. Until you change the way you think, you can never change the way you live. Y'all know Pastor Dennis, my twin brother, don't you? Uh, let, let me say that again. It's so profound because, see, this helps you stay free. Until you change the way you think, you can never change the way you live. God's thoughts are recorded in the Bible. So the way you think like God thinks, you find out how he thinks in the word. Specifically, you find out how he thinks about you. And then you think of yourself that way. Then you know what? It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Now, where do I find out how to think like God, and find the way God thinks about me. What about those letters to the church? Those epistles, Romans to Jew. You find out how to live, what you can have, what you can do in Christ. That's what he thinks about you. And then go over there and read the Gospel of John and see how Jesus talks about the Father's love for us. And then Jesus said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. So, and then, here's another way to think. How did Jesus treat mankind while he walked the earth? That's what God thinks about me. 
This is God's thoughts towards me. Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm going to read it to you from the NIV. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. The common English Bible says, I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace, not desire, not disaster, excuse me, to give you a future filled with hope. Amen? Isaiah 55, 7 through 11, the Word of God says this, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And we are admonished to reject our thoughts and ways and take on God's. Now, the Scripture says God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts and His ways are higher than our ways. But He didn't say we couldn't know them. He just said they were higher. Matter of fact, He said they came down to the earth like the water that brings rain in this season and gives seed and makes it bud and bring forth. Well, how, how did it come down in the earth? In the Word, because in the very next scripture, he said, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. But it what? It accomplishes that which I please, and it will prosper whereto I send it. You want your thinking to prosper? Send the word to it. Amen. You need to type it up in your heart like a good email and press the send button. And let it come up in your thinking. Amen. So I take on God's thoughts by getting into the word, finding out what he thinks about me. Let me give you a scripture to show you how God thinks about you. Go to Romans chapter five, Romans five, and we'll start reading in verse six. See, when I know how God thinks about me, it don't matter what you think about me. I would like for you to like me, but I know everybody ain't going to like me. And that's okay. I would like for you to think good of me, but I know everybody's not going to think good of me. That's okay. But I know what God thinks about me. Amen. You know what? And if I fellowship with him, he'll give me friends that think right about me. Amen. You, hey, listen. You need some crazy faith friends. You need some friends like them four guys that put homeboy up on the roof and let him down through the roof so he can get healed. Amen. It's like, man, can't you see? I mean, I'm thinking about it in today's time. Man, it's packed over there at that house. He can't get to Jesus. Somebody on the outside probably said, well, he's just going to stay lame. He ain't going to get his healing today. And I can see them four guys say, no, uh Where the ladder at? Somebody go get the ladder. There's no ladder. How can we climb up here? Let's get him up here. Tear the roof off. Amen. Because you know what? The scripture says when Jesus saw their faith, told him, get up and walk. Amen. But he had four other friends with him. They said, come on, dog. You're going to get your healing today. Amen. That's the way you have to be with each other in church. Come on, dog. You're going to get your deliverance today. Ain't no need staying broke down. Amen. Ain't no need staying tore up. Let's get it, man. Let's get in this word. Let's get this word of God in us. Let's walk free. Let's be free. Let's set other people free. Amen. Instead of spreading gossip, spread the gospel. Amen. Listen to this in Romans 5, verse 6 says, When we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. When we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. 
So God decided to send Jesus to die for you when you were already jacked up. Huh? Listen to this in verse 8. He even said it this way. Some people might think about dying for a good person. We're not talking about somebody jacked up. We're talking about we might think about dying for somebody that never done anything wrong. But here it says, Jesus did it for us when we were ungodly. Verse 8 says, but God commended his love toward us, not away from us, toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, uh-oh, while we were sinners, he died. While we were sinners. Only way you can get right is to come to Jesus. Listen, I got, you want, want me to tell you a secret? There's nothing that you can do to change that act. Too late. God already done it. You might as well take it. Might as well take it. That's when your life will begin to change. Take it. Listen to this. Hallelujah. Look at this in verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You know what that word reconcile means? It means to be restored to God's divine favor and blessing. I don't know about y'all, but I grew up in the bricks. Y'all know what the bricks is? Projects, West Side. You know, we had a cul-de-sac when people missed the interstate, and they turned in the cul-de-sac because they missed it. They burned rubber to leave. So, you know, when we had enemies, we didn't put no favor on them. Might threw a couple of bricks, some blows or something, but not favor. But the scripture says when we were God's enemy, we were reconciled. That's how much he thinks of you. That's how much he loves you. That's the value that he places on you. He didn't care about you being ungodly. He didn't care about you being a sinner. He didn't care about you being his enemy. He reconciled you. And the only thing that can keep you from receiving it is you rejecting it and not believing it. That's what punches your ticket to hell. Because you have no sacrifice for your sin. Jesus offered it, and you rejected it. That's what separates you. And it'll go down in the record book. On this day, somebody preached the gospel. Did you receive it? No. Got to pay for it with your own life. What a, think about it this way. Could you imagine spending eternity in hell realizing that your sins were paid for? And you decide to pay for it yourself. Forget the fire. That's enough pain right there. You know what is it? I mean, I got to bring it in today's turn. That'd be like, that'd be like somebody buying you a brand new Mercedes Benz SL550 and you choose to ride the bus. Got the keys in your pocket. Got to wait on the bus. Got to sit next to folks that won't put deodorant on. Got to listen to somebody smacking on chewing gum in your ear. 
cussing up a storm, and you could be riding in something paid for. Amen. Just showing you. Okay, let me give you this, and I, I got to move on because I got to do something here. Proverbs 6, 2, faith is the language of God. I'll give you a couple more scriptures, and then I got I to gotta shut it down. Faith is the language of God. Learn to talk God's language. God's language is faith. God's language is faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith actually comes when God sends a man of God who's sent by him to preach the word to you. You hear that word, believe what is preached, and then you call for what is preached. It's Romans, uh, Romans 10, 13 through 17. I don't have time to go there, but I'm giving you the reference. With that being said, you can't afford to dishonor your pastor, your man and woman of God, who's preaching the things to you to cause you to have faith so that you can speak the language of God. Listen, if you come to me speaking Mandarin, that's Chinese, you're not going to get anything from me. Because I don't understand a word you're saying. And if you go to God, Hebrews 11 and 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For somebody to come to God, they must believe that he is. Ain't no getting around that. You have to. You're supposed to. You ain't getting nothing if you don't. You must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is the language of God. So when you come to God talking down and unbelief, he's like, man, I don't know what you're saying. He's willing, but he cannot understand what you're saying because you're not speaking his language. I mean, y'all do it. If somebody come up, try to talk to you, and they're not talking the latest slang, you ain't hearing them. Man, what you talking about? Amen? So God's the same way. He hears faith. He don't hear crying, bawling the squad. If, if you're going to cry, put some faith in it. You know what I mean? You know, God, I believe your word. I know what it don't look like, and I'm crying, but it ain't got nothing to do with it. I believe what your word say, so I'm saying what the word say. Man, I done made some confessions today, wiping the snot off my nose. Because I believe the word of God. I ain't believing these feelings. You know why? They change at the drop of a hat. That's why they are not a safe guide. Trying to follow your feelings is like trying to follow a GPS that's offline. Had the time to tell you, turn here, recalculating route. Turn there, recalculating right. That's what your feelings do. Amen? Proverbs 6, 2 says this. Faith is the language of God. I want to talk to you a little bit about the power of your words. It says, thou art snared with the words of your mouth. Thou art taken with the words of your mouth. The devil don't even have to trick you. You trap your own self by what's coming out of your mouth. Amen? Listen, the Proverbs 12, 13 says, The wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. How does he come out of trouble? If the wicked snares himself by the transgression of his lips, 
and the just, those who are declared righteous, are the opposite of that, then they come out of trouble by speaking truth from their lips. That's how you get out. Amen? Now let me show you what to speak. Go to Mark 11.23. Come on now. See, some of you are staying in the mess that you're in because you're not believing that you have what you say. See, you have to believe that what you say is coming to pass in order to have what you say. You have to believe that what you say is coming to pass in order to have what you say. Amen? Because, see, some of you, you say it, but you don't believe it's coming to pass. You ain't going to have what you say. You have to believe that what you say is coming to pass. Then you can have what you say. Let's read what Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty three. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he say, which he say. I love this part. But believe that those things that he says shall come to pass. Then he'll have whatsoever he's saying. What things are you believing that will come to pass? Let me, you want me to give you a guaranteed way to make sure you believe right and it comes to pass? Real simple. Say what God said in the word about you. Why? Because God never lies. Scripture says in Hebrews, it's impossible for him to lie. That's one thing God can't do, lie. Amen? God can't lie no more than Siri can tell you a joke. You know, I got an iPhone for this. Siri will not tell me a joke. I don't know any jokes. And it asked me back, Alvin D., I don't know any jokes. I tell it, forget you then. Just shut the thing off. You know, because I, before I had an iPhone this, I used to see people say that. And so, I, you know, I tried it first. I said, Siri, tell me a joke. I don't know a joke. What do you mean you don't know a joke? You Siri, aren't you? See, God can't tell you a lie. But you know, who, you know who can't tell you the truth? The devil. So you don't listen to him. He's incapable of telling the truth. He breathed and opened his mouth. Lie just fall out. <laughs> so you don't believe anything he say. Because all he can tell is lies. Amen. Some of y'all got friends like that. Y'all need to treat the devil that way. When you know your friend's lying, you don't need to pay attention. Man, don't listen to that. Amen. Hallelujah. Learn to follow the word in the spirit. Why? Listen to this. In Hebrews 11.3, it says, Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Amen? 
The Word of God is important because everything hangs on the Word. You got to learn how to follow it. You got to learn how to allow it to affect your decision making. You ever seen a house, a real pretty house, got bricks on it, got nice windows on it, got nice roof on it. Then you go inside, you see the nice hardwood floors, you see the nice paint color on the walls. Guess what? If that frame gets messed up, none of that looks pretty anymore. Why? Because everything you see hangs on that frame. And if that frame gets out of line, guess what? The integrity of the whole house, regardless of how pretty it is, how good it looks. I got some carpenters in here that can tell me. It's messed up. Your whole life in God hangs on that word like a frame. It keeps everything in order. You can build on it. You know one two-by-four can hold straight up and down, can hold something like a couple of tons. It's some strong number. One, two by four, straight up and down. The word is strong. It'll hold you up, up under any pressure, up under any storm that life can bring you. All right? And let me give you my final scripture, John 16. John 16. God's word is true. And let me share this with you. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God, and there was not anything made that wasn't made by the word. Let me give you a clue. Since the word was here in the beginning, and you were not, and since the word made everything, see, everything you see was made out of the word, so you got the raw material in your hand. And since it was here before you, it just makes sense to listen to it even though you may not see fully what it's saying, when it tell you, don't mess with that woman. Her doors go down to the pit of hell. Don't mess with a loose woman. You, you know what Proverbs 5 says about messing with a loose woman? Men, guess what? You'll be reduced to a piece of bread. And a stranger will spend your substance, your wealth. You don't believe me? Ask Tiger Woods. Somebody's spending his money. And it ain't his children. Just sharing a little truth. John 16, verse 13, 15 says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into what? All true. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and show it unto you. And Jesus was praying in John 17, 17. He said, Father, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is true. So the Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you into the truth of God's word. He sent to teach you the word of God. He sent to help you manifest what God said in his word. And let me share something with you, and I'm closing on this. You cannot deal in lies and deception and expect to be guided into the truth. You can't expect the Holy Ghost to guide you in a lie. Okay? Stand on your feet. Hallelujah.